First off, it was good to have all the worship team here. That alone is a miracle right here in our midst. Jaime, welcome back from Turkey. Stand just a little closer to your razor, Turkey. <laughs> what is with that Fu Manchu that man had? <laughs> and Mike? Seattle can be a lot worse than Turkey, and we're glad you're back, too. <laughs> I know. My son was just there, and he said, this town is wicked. I said, hey, it's West Coast. What can I tell you? Anyway, Revelation chapter 13, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 10. In chapter 12, we're introduced to the red dragon or Satan. In chapter 13, we meet the rest of Satan's counterfeit trinity. The Antichrist has many different names in Scripture, and we'll go through some of those later in this, uh, today's teaching. But John calls him the Antichrist. Revelation 13 names him as the Beast. And he is the second person of Satan's trinity. And the false prophet is the third person of Satan's trinity. You know, but Satan is so caught up in lying and trying to imitate God that he really doesn't have any original thoughts or programs. He is just simply against God. Satan, he deceives most of those that are remaining on the earth during the tribulation. But he's always guilty. You can always see Satan's hand because he overplays it. He always goes too far, especially in his deception. And thus he exposes himself as to who he is, and that is a liar. Therefore, when we enter into the last half of the tribulation, it becomes really clear, and there's a real distinction between good and evil. And Satan, in that time, he, as we will read, he's granted certain powers by God to deceive. But this deception is short-lived. But today, right now, we see the world, and we see the world is so ready. It is so ripe. It is so set up for the revealing of the Antichrist that you can almost expect to see him come on the scene any moment. Maybe, if you watch the news you have noticed the civil unrest around the world. Egypt, Syria, Israel, Libya this week, Libya rather. But now we have Wall Street. What is up with the Wall Street demonstration? <laughs> we have people that are protesting simply to be protesting. And they admit they have no foundation of their process, except that they're unhappy. Oh, how sad. They're unhappy. 
the protesters claim is I'm unhappy and it's somebody else's fault. <laughs> I suggest to you the social unrest that is around the world, not only in the Middle East, but around the world, is setting the climate, is setting the backdrop for the Antichrist to come on the scene and quote unquote, he will be the man that has the answers for peace in this world. So let's read John's introduction of the Antichrist, chapter 13, verses 1 through 10. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. And I saw one of his heads as, as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. There are several prophecies, prophetic events, in which the world ridicules us Bible-believing Christians. Uh, hell, for instance. People dismiss hell by simply saying, I don't believe in hell. Like that changes it. And they say things like, well, God, a loving God would never send anyone to hell. Okay. The rapture, we hear things like, well, I've heard that all my life. Ever since I was a little kid, I heard that the rapture is about to occur. And another one they like to poke fun as that, that there is a real Antichrist. And they couple the Antichrist with like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. They're real. They're real. It's the world's way of discounting. It's Satan's deception. And there are other events that are looked upon by mankind that they call us Christians naive. You know, we're 
foolish to truly believe in the Bible. But this political evil system and person that will emerge on the world scene is called a beast. And he's called a beast by God. Interesting. God doesn't make light of this person. God calls him a beast. And that's in verse 1. Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he calls this character the man of sin, the son of perdition, the lawless one. So you get to see that this Antichrist that will come on the scene is real and he is evil. But the world, here's the deception, will see this man as a savior. But God, knowing him for what he is, says he's a beast. A wild, monster-type beast. And this beast, this deceiver, will offer a plan of world tranquility. He's going to come on and he's going to say things like, I have a plan for peace for the whole world. And people will buy into it. And this beast will have power and great authority given to him by Satan himself, directly by Satan, and God allows it. God allows this. But he will have so much power and authority that he will overcome the saints that are come about during the tribulation period and this evil political kingdom, it will have seven heads, seven strong leaders, ten horns, or ten nations, and they come together to form one confederacy. And one of these political heads, or leaders, uh, he will suffer a deadly head wound. Well, that's uh, not that unusual, but... He will recover, and there's the un unusual part, and he will recover in such a way that the whole world will marvel. All this is, is a counterfeit resurrection. Satan again trying to counterfeit the resurrection of Jesus. But the world, it not only marvels, but it worships the dragon. The dragon who is none other than Satan. Satan, the power and the authority behind this beast, the Antichrist, wants worship. And worship by man is what drives Satan. It's what drives the unholy trinity. They desire the worship of man that is supposed to be given to God. But his worshipers will declare, who is like the beast? Now, they won't call him a beast. They will probably have a good name for him. And who is able to make war with him? That will be their question. Because, you see, the world will marvel at this man that comes on the scene, and he will be greatly admired and the thing about marveling is this. It is the first primary step before all-out worship. 
you marvel God before you worship God. You recognize who he is before you worship him. And the same thing with this beast, this Antichrist. People will marvel that he's recovered from this wound and they will worship him. The beast, the Antichrist, will become extremely popular because his message will be one of peace. And who doesn't want peace? Especially as you see the world becoming more and more wrapped up in controversy, many wars and strifes and battles and everything. Peace sounds so good, and we all want it. And his message of peace will prevail. But for it to prevail, there has to be what we call compromise or the elimination of absolutes that are in the minds of people, even religious absolutes. Not only for Christians, because we have our absolutes, but the other world religions will be asked to compromise and, you know, uh, be tolerant of other views. So how is this going to be brought about? Linda Falkenstein, must be Frankenstein's brother or sister or somebody, of the Northwest Regional Education Laboratory. Well, there you go. Just put a title on my name. She proclaims there are no black and white answers and probably never were. The time has passed when this myth should be even be spoken of. You shouldn't even talk about absolutes. And no one has the right to say you're wrong. The citizens of the world must act in large zones of gray where absolutes are absent. Have you ever heard of anything so anti-scriptural as that statement? God, first of all, he says, you're a sinner and you need me. First thing he tells us right off the bat. That is not the world's message. The world's message is, I'm okay, you're okay. You know, and as long as you believe it, that's what really matters. Please. <laughs> About 40 years ago, there was a group, very popular rock group. You may have heard of them, the Beatles. They stormed on the music scene in the mid to late 60s. And they had a song, and I think it was in the early 70s when the song Imagine came out. I have sang that song. I like the tune. I like, you know, how it just kind of flows along. And I looked up the words, looked up the lyrics on Google this week. Let me read you. Would you rather I sing it? No, I will read you. The words to, yeah, <laughs> the place would empty. <laughs> Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, only sky above, or above us, only sky, rather. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. 
Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need or greed or hunger. A brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you will join us and the world will live as one. That was written 40 years ago by the Beatles. A band, a rock band, who declared we are more popular than Jesus Christ. 40 years ago. How do you think that scene has changed in the last 40 years? There has been a dumbing down of absolutes in our lifetime that is almost unheard of. So this beast that comes on the scene, he will have a song to sing to the world, and it will be one of peace. And he will be so powerful, and he will be such a strong leader, he will be the leader of the seven leaders over the ten-nation confederacy. And this leader, Scripture says he will be like a leopard, a bear, and a lion. And these are ferocious animals describe, describing the beast's character as spoken of in Daniel chapter 7. But these animals simply represents kingdoms that have come and gone, kingdoms of the past, empires of the past. And the last empire, many believe, will be a revived Roman empire with ten crowns on the heads of ten ruling nations. David Hawking, some of you may know David Hawking, but he believes of these seven rulers, these seven strong rulers, one will have the power and authority over the seven, and he will dictate policy for all ten nations, thus making himself the Antichrist, and this reasoning makes sense to me. The beast... This leader will be glorified, and he will be worshipped by the world. Especially after he recovers from this head wound that was supposed to have killed him. The world can be deceived and has been deceived in great ways. Not only today is there deception, but remember Adolf Hitler? He mesmerized the German people with great persuasive words. This beast will be given a mouth to speak great blasphemies and the world will buy into it. Now to blaspheme, sometimes it's a, it's a term that I'm not sure we fully understand, but it's, to blaspheme is a knowing, purposeful lie. It's a lie that that whoever is speaking it wants it to have an effect and a cause to go forth. They are blaspheming or great lies contrary to the character of God. 
And this, uh, this beast, this Antichrist, he's also given an amount of time, and that's the last half of the tribulation, or 42 months. Three and a half years is all the time that he is given. If you're in that tribulation period, that will seem like an eternity, but three and a half years is a short amount of time. He will have a great popularity and authority over all nations and all peoples. And people who do not worship the beast, this blasphemer, are those whose names are written in the book of the life of the Lamb. The Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Our Lord, our God, not only knew and planned salvation before creating this world and man, but he also knows who will turn to him and who will be saved. Those of us who have faith in the cross, before we ever took a breath of life, he knew we would become his. That is the foreknowledge of God. And there are several scriptures that bear this truth out. 1 Peter 1.20, the work of Jesus ordained before the foundations of the world. Ephesians 1.4, God chose his redeemed before the foundations of the world. Revelation 17.8, names written in the book of life before the foundations of the world. In Matthew 25.34, the last one, <laughs> heaven being prepared for the redeemed before the foundations of the world. You see, this world has not snuck up on God who does not have a plan, for he does have a plan. And his plan was put in place before we ever were. Now let me say this. Only God can know and prepare a way of salvation, prepare a place, heaven, for us to dwell with him, yet never ever violating our free will. Only God can do that. Free will, or as I have heard some say, limited free will, and I, I tend to believe in limited free will, but free will, how it plays out in our life, it's worth examining. Have you ever looked at your own free will and why you chose and what the decisions you've made and why you made those decisions? And you may identify with me on this, so follow with me on this thought pattern, if you will. When I was young, I consciously accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It was a decision I made in and of myself consciously. And at that time, I fully desired to follow Jesus as my Savior and Lord. As I grew, as I got older and went through those years of sorting out what I believed as a Christian, what were my beliefs, and making that decision to continue to follow Jesus and live for Christ, an act of my free will. And my free will was interacting with the Spirit of God 
and I did not even know it. I wasn't even conscious of that part. Then in, as a young man in my early 20s and mid-20s, out of my parents' home, and I was sorting out what I really believed as a person, even having times, even years of rebellion in my life, but I always turned back to the Lord of my own free will. Now I'm an old man. Not that old, but older. And I look back and I begin to understand that God through His grace and His mercy, God orchestrated the events of my life, the affairs of my life, to help persuade me of His goodness. And of my own free will, I remained a believer. The wisdom of being a Christian, it made sense to me. It appealed to me. And so here I am today, and I greatly marvel and worship my Lord and my God for demonstrating grace towards me. And it causes me to wonder, and it causes me to wonder in a good way, where was all my free will that I thought I had? <laughs> God planned everything for me. He loved me. And he drew, himself, drew me to himself. And I truly wonder about free will when I see people that I consider intelligent people, people who reject, reject the work of God's Spirit in their life, and yet God allows them to reject Him. And I wonder about free will. And so I've made a complete circle in my life. And today, I fall at the feet of Jesus and I worship him of my own free will. And I'm humbled by his mercy and I'm humbled by his love towards me. And I am eternally thankful for his love towards me. Thankful that he wrote my name in his book of life before the foundations of the world. And when I read verses like 9 and 10, I'm thankful that I have an ear to hear by the Spirit of God. I have a reasoning ability to choose and accept Jesus as an ongoing way of life. That is free will. And I'm sure you do the same thing. Maybe you just haven't thought it all the way through, but you're doing the same thing if you are living and walking, following after God. But if you haven't, <laughs> of your own free will, accepted Christ, I have one question for you. Why not? God has proven himself to each of us over and over again. 
All you have to do is look around you. Look at some of the people you call friends who do not know the Lord. And you see their troubled lives. You see how foolish they are. And you wonder, why do they not turn to the Lord? God doesn't violate their free will. But I'm sure glad he put a heart within me that responds to him. And I had nothing to do with that. And I had nothing to do with that. Thank you, Lord. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.